0: So, tell me, Jason, what makes a city great to live in for you? Um,
1: For me, uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just having uh, everything accessible and uh, everything kind of available within walking distance or a very short Uber. Um,
0: Right. And also inexpensive Uber.
1: Inexpensive Uber, although it's probably getting a little bit... Like, uh, I think inflation is really hitting the Uber industry. Like I've noticed that it's a little bit, uh, more expensive to get around, but I like having, um, so something that's always been very top of mind in choosing a place to live is that my commute has to be as short as possible. Um, one of the best times of my life was living like two minutes walk from my work and that meant that, uh, I was able to interact. With the city um so i was able to go to you know bars go to like uh, meetups uh have access to all of these different uh opportunities to interact with other people um but also you when you go to work you don't have to do this like long commute and you, Mm. uh, you basically get to experience the city and you're not spending hours just going backwards and forwards to your home
0: so research actually shows that uh the distance of your commute is directly proportional to the um rates of depression in that area which i think is fairly fascinating and i and i get it is that when you're on that commute when you're traveling especially in traffic in a car um you know first thing in the morning last thing in the afternoon it's a stressful experience and if you're doing that for you know 45 minutes to an hour each day that's you know a of your entire day that you're spending in a, in a state of like heightened stress and awareness is that, you know, sure you can have chill drives if you're, if you live somewhere, somewhere nice, but most of the time you're driving into the city, you're stuck in traffic, there's taxis, there's, you know, the smell of exhaust, there's the honking of horns and that's a, that's a pretty high stress situation. I think your body, over the, that entire duration is just releasing so much cortisol that, um, of course, it's going to fuck with you.
1: Exactly. So for, for me, it um, I used I used to, uh, well, I come from Somerset West, which is about 30 minutes outside of Cape Town. And uh, what really cinched it for me is a couple of times I decided that it would be a good idea to stay in, in Somerset West and go to an exam uh, that I had at university on, on a Monday or Tuesday morning. Um, so I would, uh, so there was either two ways that this would go. If I got up too late, I would have to sit in that traffic. And uh, so my car wasn't, I mean, it, there were, my car was pretty reliable, but there were times throughout the, that car's lifetime that the battery wasn't the greatest. So sometimes it would cut out uh, if you weren't driving it. So you can imagine like, driving through the traffic you're going towards an exam or some sort of class that you have in the morning and there's this ad- addition of the fact that your car might break down while you're on the N2 between uh, like you know Baden-Powell and uh, the airport which is like yeah for most people who, who don't live in K-Town that's a pretty dodgy area to break down oh it's so, awful so to avoid that what you would do is you would get up a few hours earlier like 4 a.m you would drive into the city, drive into wherever my exam was, and then I would sit there and I would have, like, a power nap or I'd, like, revise in my car inside the parking lot just so that I wouldn't have to – so I wouldn't be late for um, my class, but I also wouldn't have to sit in traffic. And for work, I also did that a couple of times when I first uh, started my job in, in the city.
0: So, yeah, so so one, one question with that is um, – so you've got that stress of trying to get to the place that you're you're going to on time, right? Um, and so you're you're getting there, like, really early. Uh, do you think that that affected your ability to actually revise as well?
1: So getting there early meant that you... I mean, if I, I wasn't very good with, like, getting good night's sleep and all of that. I was still in this mentality that I was, like, a, a night person. So I just put it down to that, that I'm not good at mornings. But... It did, um, it did give me a little bit less anxiety because it was like, okay, I, at least I'm here. Uh, and a, a lot of my, you know, when I'm trying to get somewhere on time, I prefer to get there on time a little bit early and then just chill around the area. Um, and that kind of alleviated a bit of that stress for sure. Um, but again, if I was sleep deprived or a little bit tired because I woke up you know, there's there may be a cancelling effect to that, too.
0: So I think so to add to that is I think that absolutely um, the thing that makes a city th- that has one of the biggest impacts on a city being uh, livable and, you know, quote unquote, happy is definitely the ability to get around easily, preferably walking and cycling. Um, you know, so improved like cycle infrastructure is, is always great. Um, but one of the things so I'm currently I'm currently reading the book Happy City by Charles Montgomery and for uh, you've read this book previously yeah. and I, you and I have had quite a few chats about it and it's 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 a very affirming book. It's something that we all kind of implicitly know um, just put in like if you are in a city that is pretty right and that is delightful to be in to spend time in green spaces in parks. Cohesion, uh, traffic that can over preferably less air and noise pollution is you live a happier life overall, or live a um, life that is uh, easier and nicer than if you're commuting if you're you know hearing the sound of traffic the entire time which you know again research has shown that uh, noise pollution has a huge adverse effect on our mental health. Um, But I like to I like to compare uh, what makes a good city to something that most of us are already familiar with, and that is being in university. Right. Is that being in universities is is such an enjoyable period of time for so many people um, for the reason that university towns or university campuses are human centric. Right. You walk or cycle everywhere the residences tend to be very close to where you will go to to study to socialize to work to etc 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 so as soon as you step foot onto campus um, you don't have to worry about traffic running you over you don't there isn't much noise pollution you can go to a restaurant or a bar to socialize with your friends you can chill on the lawn and set up a slack line or play hacky sack um, you can go to the library to study, you will bump into people who, you know, on campus. So there's this high social cohesion and what also, uh, what also is the case with universities is that you tend to share a socioeconomic background with the, uh, with people around you, which is debatably good or not, um, depending yeah. on which, you know, what, what you're, what you're supporting over here. Um, and so if we can create cities that are similar to university campuses, those cities uh, tend to be you know, very lovely to live in. We can see that in places like the Netherlands or in um, parts of uh, uh, Nordic countries where the public, public uh, transport and cycle and walking infrastructure are great and there are all these social places to... Um, get together and spend time chatting and yeah what are your what are your thoughts on that I
1: I think I definitely agree with that uh, social cohesion so first of all on the like having control of your own destiny I think for everyone that's amazing like being able to walk to work if someone like you know bumps like comes across your path you can kind of dodge them you know you can walk along the the pavement pretty fine you're not gonna like have someone swerve or like you know potentially kill you so it's, that's that's a great thing to be in where your mind is basically in control of your body getting to work. Then the mm. the, the people aspect, I think, is super critical because um, I, I feel like if you're living in the suburbs, you basically get your perception of the world through the media um, and oh, through other people's uh, perceptions of the world. So this is like one of my theses is recently is that people who live in the suburbs who think the country is like going to sh- going to the dogs or uh, you know they, they want to leave and all of that. My thesis is that they should go live in the city for a bit, uh, walk the city, like go to you know places where people co- like group uh, and realize that things aren't as, as bad. okay, they're bad, but there are like pockets of, of greatness that are that are happening. Um, but without those, you're basically stuck in your uh, in your suburban house, re- listening to the news. The news isn't always positive. Uh, in fact, it's hardly ever positive, and you just get this r- really bad perception of what's going mm. on.
0: So it also depends on what uh, what city you're talking about. Is that Cape Town has got like a really nice walking centre. You know, you can yeah. you can walk around the city centre. You can walk through uh, Greenpoint, Point, Sea Point um woodstock is technically also walkable and there is a bit of social cohesion over there between the people who live there um but it does get a bit dangerous um yeah maybe as as, w-
1: as i think the the thing is also uh being uh male is also uh, a little bit easier for us i i don't know if if girls have, or anyone else has the same uh kind of sense of security like i i can imagine yeah. it not being the same um yeah but I, I, I do i do agree um
0: So I recently spent time in, um, in Chicago and Chicago has got a lot of, you know, very interesting things about it, but it is very much a car centric city. Right. And a lot of American cities are very, very car centric, um, which means that you are essentially just like living in an extended suburb. Um, Chicago is also referred to as just like the city of neighborhoods. Right. Mm. And so sprawl sucks because, You don't necessarily know the people who you live around um, and you go from your car into your house and then from your house into your car and you drive through to your place of work or uh, whatever. And I think that Johannesburg has that has that same issue Um, since I've been here in the States uh, and I'm coming home soon. But uh, since I've been here in the States, I've been spending a lot of time in these little uh, these little towns up in the Rocky Mountains. And they've got all of these aspects that make um, cohesive living good, right? A very walkable town. You can walk from one end to the other, you know, over half an hour. Uh, There are lots of green places and parks. Like I've spent so much time just like finding a tree in a park and just reading under it for a while. And other people who I know in the town will just like happen to walk past you in the park and then come and have a chat with you. Someone will set up a slack line. And um, just last week, uh, I had met some people in, in Salida, uh, who I was staying with, and we went to the park to eat a sandwich. And another, another friend who we hadn't seen in a few weeks just came wandering along and came and joined us. And then uh, someone who we played D&D with, uh, a, an artist, he was, uh, he was chatting with another group of friends down in the corner. And so these Mm -hmm. groups combine and we're all just sitting in this Riverside Park having an absolutely lovely accidental afternoon. And I think that that is that is so fundamental to um, to a again, quote unquote, happy place to live. I Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like the term happy, um, but just like an ideal place to live
1: Mm.
0: is that there there is this social cohesion through architectural and urban design.
1: Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that like gets me jonesing a bit. It's like the uh, the architectural part. Like I've, I've always had like this fascination with architecture. And for me, like city design is such an interesting kind of, uh, you know, thing to do for your life is you kind of work out how big a, a certain courtyard needs to be to make it the perfect size to have enough social interaction, but also have Uh, places where people can go and like be themselves and you know have these smaller gatherings Uh, it's really like such a fascinating kind of career Um, and I really like that the I mean that specific book I mean it must be amazing to be in America to be able to actually like see firsthand like that happening and I think that was for me I went to um, Texas I went to Dallas which I feel is sprawl and then I went to uh, Seattle, which I would say is probably not, but I mean, I didn't go too much into the suburbs there. Uh, so it's kind of, you can see it in reality that there's, you know, this design around cars. Um, but it's also, it, it's not just the city. Um, I do believe there is a sense of, uh, a sense of place. Uh, mm-hmm. I think with Cape Town, it's great because you've got that big old mountain that's like just right, ripe for climbing. Uh, or for it's you know, so accessible as well. and so accessible. I think some of the cities maybe Johannesburg where they maybe don't have so much green space or they don't have like much of that activity, you kind of have to make up for it in other in other ways. Um, but hmm. I really for, from a Cape Town point of view is you've got the I mean the architecture is all right, we've got a few new buildings, we've got pretty walkable streets, I'd say. Um, but being able to have that access to nature is also super important whether it's driving outside the city to get to that nature or whether it's in the city that is like critical, I think.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as you know, I was, I was also recently in New York and New York is very like walk centric, right? Uh, You walk, you take the subways, you hop on your bicycle and sure there, there is a lot of traffic on the streets, but, um, it kind of feels that, uh, pedestrians were very much catered to. Um, and the green space for them is you know central park which is mm. massive i i didn't i didn't realize just how big it was yeah but, but that's also um, because
1: of necessity right it's the same in london like they've got such a high density of people like you you you, you literally can't have cars in there like it, it would just yeah. be a nightmare
0: so uh i was recently in in boulder colorado um, so boulder and denver are half an hour 45 minutes away from one another um, and both of the, both of these are, uh, cities, so Denver's bigger than Boulder, um, and they have large sidewalks. They have a lot of like pedestrian and cycle accommodation. And the, I think the stereotypical Colorado Coloradian is he's riding his mountain bike with his dog. And then you bump into, he bumps into his friend on the street and they go to the bar and they get an IPA. Great because everyone's just drinking IPA's here, left, right and center. <laughs> um, and so there is a distinct correlation between the walkability of a city and the rates of obesity in that city. Right. And one of the things that anecdotally I've definitely seen around Colorado is that people tend to be in much better, much better shape than people who I saw in, say, um, Baltimore uh, or the Baltimore suburbs um, or uh, Chicago for that matter. And it kind of makes sense is just having that individual mobility. The fact of the matter is to stay at least reasonably healthy, it just takes, you know, a bit of walking every day. And if I take a look at my iPhone's um, pedometer, is when I was staying in Pasadena just outside of Baltimore. So in not a suburb, but an exurb, you know, Hmm. one step further than a suburb is I barely walked um, like 2000 steps a day. I because there wasn't anywhere to walk to like I could explicitly go and take a walk around the block, but that would mean that I was taking a walk explicitly to take a walk, whereas when I was in New York or when I was in Denver is I would take a look at my pedometer and I had, you know, exceeded 10, 15,000 steps. For that day, just because I'm like, oh, I want to go to that restaurant down there, and I'll I'll walk to it because that is one of the ways to do it. Although I must say that those like little lime scooters that we spoke about on uh, our previous or two episodes ago um, definitely uh, cut down on that time if you uh, if you feel, if you feel like it. They're
1: convenient oh. and they're fun. Like I think. Yep. Isn't it like such a a great thing to do? Like I mean, I so I used good. to have a push scooter. Uh, for a while, I mean, I, I was more of a bicycle person, but I did have a push scooter at one point. And there's nothing like more fun than just scootering around. And now you've just taken this electric battery and just stuck it on your scooter. It's so fun just to get around town, like you you basically just zooting yeah. through the
0: city. Um, and so they're yeah. all capped at twenty miles per hour, which is still crazy fast.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's like it's like a fun way to get around and that kind of breaks a little bit of the monotony, uh, gives you that little bit of a boost, uh, to, to your, uh, you know, way of life. And it's, it's kind of just a fun thing to do. And I think fun plays a part in it and being able to have, uh, you know, access to these green spaces. But I think the, mm-hmm. the, the one thing that is maybe something that we don't have experience about, about is the fact that, uh, you know, there's people who have kids and uh, who are family people. And I've recently heard this term empty nester, which is what we are. Uh, for us, it's maybe a little bit easier. Uh, and also, I guess, depending Hold on... Up, the let, me, let
0: me clarify over that. I I've always assume that the term empty nester was after, like, you had kids and then they left home.
1: I mean, I, I feel like some people have been using it <laughs> as, a, as a term to uh, define people who don't have kids. But it could no, be both. Um, I mean, if you have an emptiness, nest, is it? It could be both. Um, but Great. anyway, so the this is like one of those things. It also depends on you know what kind of jobs you can get. Because I'm, I mean, living in the city, it's uh, pretty pricey, and where the where that comes from is whether it's like, is it because most of the places are are buy and rent by people who, you know, don't actually live in the city. Uh, is it Airbnbs mm-hmm. that are pushing up the prices of, of housing in the cities? I mean, I know in Cape Town, one of the quite interesting things is that, you know, during the apartheid, like, they kind of made the city as a place for business, um, and everyone mm-hmm. would live in the suburbs and commute in, and that's how the city was designed. So, you'll notice, uh, if you walk around Cape Town, there's not a lot of uh, residential buildings within the, the CBD, and that was because, you know, South Africans preferred to to have, like, a nice a house where they lived and then just drive into the city but that's caused problems now because everyone now works in the city and they all have to get through that one little uh one little road um and probably the most the busiest intersection in the whole of south africa uh so it has some knock-on effects but they are starting to build um more residential buildings inside of the city so if Mm -hmm. you're working for one of the big banks or you're working for like some of the accounting firms you don't have to commute so far. But again, that's not always going to be the, the right choice for um, people who have kids.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And and so what you bring up over there is is actually super important, is that um, most cities were designed with industry in mind and not designed as human-centric cities. There are a couple of uh, places. There's a couple of cities that have gone up in Korea that are... Uh, explicitly human-centrically designed um, and they're very very modern modern cities I think the uh, the music video for Gangnam Style was uh, filmed in one of those cities and you can see that it it looks like a park right it's just like a big park but with these big buildings spotted here and there inside of that park so you would essentially walk between buildings between restaurants through this park and then all of the roads and parking infrastructure, and all of that is actually underneath this park or mm. underneath the buildings, which I think is is really fascinating because it cuts down on the noise and the, the traffic and the um, the uh, air pollution. Well, all of that is just you know tucked underground. Um, but that that brings a, another another interesting tangent over there is that when it comes to uh, roads specifically, is that historically as, as recent, as uh, as recently as like a hundred years ago, the road was a shared space, right? Everyone would walk on the road, sell stuff on the road. I mean, it, we think of roads now as explicitly places where cars go, but no, like thoroughfares were where people would stand and gather. And, uh, it would also be used for you to walk from or cycle from one side to the other. And then when, uh, motor cars started becoming a thing, uh, they were kind of like uh, hated by everyone who lived in these places because they started making this shared space quite unsafe and many people were starting to you know die in these motor vehicle vehicle accidents, predominantly pedestrians and predominantly children. Um, and so that's when uh, there was this big push towards have making sure that you know all people stay on the sidewalks, and all cars are on the road, and then at specific points, people then have permission to use the the roads in terms of like crosswalks or stuff like that. Um, and that's where the uh, the term "jaywalker" was uh, was actually coined, is that it was it's it's a derogatory term, a jay, and um, that was you know yeah. essentially like put into official legislation to kind of shame people from walking in the street. Um, but then you've seen cities like turn that around entirely. So if you take a look and I definitely recommend you do this, um, Google pictures of Amsterdam, uh, back in the forties or fifties, and it will look like a lot of, uh, what Cape town looks like currently, right? There are way too many cars and they are parked all the way up and down the sides of the streets. Um, and there were, there was just like way too many cars and the streets were not shared places um, and it looked quite dingy and it looked like it smelled like exhaust, especially considering this was the forties and fifties before ca- catalytic converters were yeah. really a thing. Yeah. Um, and if you take a look at Amsterdam today, all of the streets in Central Amsterdam are walking streets with electric trams that run through and incredible uh, cycling infrastructure. And it is an absolute pleasure to be in there. Mm-hmm. And that was that was due to many regulatory steps by the Dutch government to turn this into a human centric place. So it is possible to take something that was not that was built for industry. At least in in Amsterdam's place, it was like industry, you know, <laughs> for the past couple hundred years. Whereas in Cape Town, you know, less <laughs> more recent. Yeah. Um, but it is entirely possible to take a city that is difficult to live in and turn it into a place that is absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm.
1: But it does it does require a lot of uh, input and, you know, you have to have four thoughts about what's going to happen in the future. And I think maybe in South Africa, we don't necessarily have, you know, the tax base. And uh, I guess we have other things to, you know, think about like, you know, power supply and all of that. Um, but it's actually interesting you mentioned the like human centric part is like, I've walked around uh, the Barbican uh, in London and you will actually see these kind of like raised walkways uh, that they've created Mm. because back in those times, they thought, ah, the car is definitely the future. So let's let the cars, you know, drive around and let's put everyone who needs to walk on these like elevated walkways um, there's a couple of, uh, kind of shows on, on YouTube. You can check where people have kind of documented these walkways that go to nowhere, or they like go throughout the city. And that was like an attempt to kind of get people outside of the, the way of cars, because there was obviously people getting hit by cars all the time. Obviously, like, I mean, you had to go up a flight of set- steps to even get onto these rampways. So, you know, it's a, obviously a failed experiment, and you know, people didn't really want to use them. So, it's kind of one of those things where they kind of thought that that, that was going to be the future. Uh, they built mm-hmm. these things, and obviously, people, you know, didn't want to do it because it wasn't a true human centric thing because they put that car at the center. Um, yeah, I hear you. And their I, idea I think was about... the idea was like the car is the future, everyone should have a car. And it's the same in, in the US. As is, is like, that's what they were thinking, and there. I mean, in that book, there's a, a little bit of a sort of dip into the kind of marketing side of the auto industry, which I mean, that's also very interesting to know about. You know, that there was definitely a push about, uh, you know, to be an American, you have to be independent, and independent is having a car. Um, so that pushed a lot of people to you know, buy cars. Then on the Uh, on the Amsterdam story, I think the first thing is just getting people to go and uh, I think for South Africans, it's really hard. Well, from like, you know, people in the middle class, it's hard to like go to work in a bus because there's so much unreliability in it. Um, And also just the the factor of, you know, (laughs) you got to be in a bus with all these other people that you don't know. And I think that's part of, you know, you need to have appreciation that there are other people in the city. And you have to be, uh, kind of used to interacting with different people, uh, before mm-hmm. you're going to get on a bus and go, go to work in what is kind of, I mean, I've taken the train from Somerset West to, to Cape town station. It's not the most fun on a, mo- on a, on a morning. Uh, you basically <laughs> sardined into this train with a whole bunch of other people around you, everyone's kind of coughing and sweating on you and it's, it's not a great experience.
0: So if we were to make some ideal upgrades to to Cape town, now keep in mind that Cape town is a city where the vast majority of its wealth comes from the tourism industry. So I would argue that it would be in the Cape town government's financial best interest to actually improve the walkability and just overall like happiness of, of the city itself. And, uh, i would arguably say that cape Town is the perfect city for a tourist to visit if it weren't for crime and personal safety is that that is the one issue that we do have we've got you know incredible access to nature and um, the city is a lot of fun but we do also have a fairly high crime rate due to you know multiple factors uh, income inequality etc um, etc cetera, et cetera. so here are my my proposed upgrades to To Cape Town.
1: Well, firstly, before you go into that, I just want to uh, say that it's it's also um, there's this difference between who's developing the project, and I think it's also important that while Cape, I think Cape Town, uh, I'm sure they do have a regional planning division or you know city planning office, they should be thinking about these things that are expressed in books like Happy City, and and I'm sure there are people who are doing that because. The, a lot of the buildings are private buildings. Like if you think of the, the, the waterfront, there's this private element of like, this is a business. This is like, uh, you know, uh, if you look at port side, it's like this big glass building and it's obviously a bank money, you know, but that that building, if you go to street level, I mean, it's not the greatest kind of footprints on the ground. So how do you like enforce a certain way of building your city where, you know, most of the money is actually just private people and they probably have their influences. Um, I know Harbour Arch, which is pretty similar to Melrose Arch in Johannesburg, uh, is is being built at the moment, just uh, within the foreshore area. And I've heard some stories that, you know, it, it maybe isn't going to be as human centric. Maybe once you're in Harbour Arch, it'll be very human centric would you be able to connect to other parts of the city very easily? Or would you have to get into your car and then drive to the waterfront and then you walk around the waterfront and, you know, you get, you get into kind of this like bigger version of, of commuting between different, uh, you know, buildings?
0: Well, so, so I, I, I share, I share some worries about that developments happening at the moment. Um, but I think the waterfront is actually a very good example of something that is quite human centric and walkable. Right, you've got those drawbridges. Um, you can walk between different areas. You can walk from like the Zeitz through to uh, the VNA Wharf. Um, you can walk along the canals, which are all like completely, you know, walkable only. There aren't even, you know, there aren't any roads. Mm. Um, and I think that's absolutely delightful. And when we talk about like what power the the government has, or you know, the muni- municipal government. Uh, has over the design of a city is that they might not necessarily be able to influence um, the way that businesses build their buildings or I mean they could but uh, what they can certainly do is they can they can change the infrastructure that surrounds it Mm. so we've got we've got a couple of streets in Cape Town that make up the sort of like entertainment and nightlife uh, section of the city and that's like Bree Street, Loop Street, Long Street and these streets are generally like pumping with people, especially in the evenings. Uh, yeah. And Clube street. I mean, that's just, that's just an extension of long street. Let's be, yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's
1: definitely coming up. It's coming up in the times, you know, like uh, I used to walk past and down that street pretty much every day at my previous job. Um, and it's definitely, you know, grown a lot. Um, yeah, absolutely. On, absolutely.
0: Um, but yeah. So, so with those three streets is I would I would be a very firm proponent to turn all of those into purely walk and cycle only streets, maybe with an electric tram that runs from the base of long Street up to the top of cliff Street and back down again in a, uh, vernacular, um, uh, fashion, right. And then have a parking structure at the bottom and at, uh, at the bottom of long street. So if you work at a business, in long street and you do commute into the city, you can park in that parking structure and then you can walk through those city streets and, or, you know, hop on the, uh, the tram. And then this turns the area into a very, very concentric area. Um, but it also means that, uh, there would have to be an increase in sort of public awareness and safety infrastructure. And currently we're doing a pretty all right job over there is um, it's still not entirely safe, but the this, uh, Cape Town city improvement District does have, you know, um, people stationed every couple of blocks yeah. to they know, make sure got, that.
1: Got eyes on the problem. Um, yeah. but I, I, I really like that idea of the parking structure. Uh, Cause I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, Amsterdam has a similar kind of setup is that they have this big, a parking center, everyone can park there. And then they've got good, like, uh, you know, transit system from that parking center to within the city. Um, And that's, that's good. But then it relies on having, you know, good, like public infrastructure. And then again, it's also like, you know, who's going to pay for that. Um, And I think also it came to my mind as you you were saying it, but I think the thing is like the waterfront is a little bit different because it is built as a tourist. It's private. Yeah. It's a private, it's private done well because they want tourists, but uh, like a, a, an accounting firm or, or, you know, like a bank or some of these bigger institutions. I mean, they, they kind of catering to, you know, people with cars who come from the, from the suburbs, right?
0: Sort of. So that's why I prefaced it with the whole, um, you know, it, it it may be in the municipal government's financial interests because again, we are a, we are Tourist-centric city, right? Mm. And by making the that that touristy area or that area, entertainment area, a lovely place to be, it will mean that more people spend time in these restaurants and cafes, and spending money inside of our city is essentially what makes our city, mm. uh, you know, more wealthy and gives us more money to do mm. more improvements. I mean, like every time someone buys a coffee, there's fifteen percent VAT on that, right? Mm. So if we can get, like, every tourist to buy one more coffee, right, maybe that should just be the slogan, you know, one more coffee for <laughs> one every more tourist. Coffee.
1: But, but one of the things that I would really like to see is, uh, you know, a lot more plazas and a lot more, um, mm. like, dining outside. I, I, I've kind of noticed it a little bit, you know, in Cape Town, in the city, there's very few places that you can sit outside. Um, or, or maybe you're sitting, like, uh, you know, maybe you're sitting just – you know on a balcony but you're not really sitting outside on on like a a plaza or something and i think
0: and there's mozart and there's... on
1: church which is one of them um yeah. and and there's a few others that that are quite nice to sit in but that's like such a nice place because you, you know you get people walking past right uh, yeah. you've got that 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 probability that someone will you'll bump into someone that you know you'll see other people maybe you'll see the same regulars who are at that same uh that same place uh, you get this kind of sense of, like, everyone's, you know, there. And I do get mm-hmm. that from Cape Town, actually. There's a couple of characters. I've never met these people, but, like, I see them everywhere. Like, I see them, like, that guy's always on the corner of, uh, um, at uh, the Power and Glory. There's, like, a couple of people. And every time I drive past there, mm-hmm. that guy is there sitting, having a beer at his at the Power and Glory. And it's just, like, part of, like, there's actual people that are living in the city.
0: And if you think about it, uh if we cordoned off cliff street all the way down to the bottom of long street, right. It means that all of those restaurants and bars and stuff would be able to put outside tables outside the front of their bars on where the street was. Right. So we would essentially create that outdoor dining experience, that outdoor socializing experience that you would walk past there. And I would see you, you know, having a, having a beer and I'd be like, Oh, Hey, Jason, what you doing just kind of like what I was talking about in the park in Salida right and you're like oh exactly. you know I just came here after work and had a beer would you like to have a beer with me and I would be like yes thank you I would like that so much <laughs> and then I would sit down and have a beer with you
1: yeah exactly so you, you're increasing the probability of social interactions and I think that's like really key to it uh, because the more time the more people you interact with uh, I think the more you get a sense of you know happiness and you get a, a more contentness um and that's really i think what's like critical to having like a really good place to live in you know mm.
0: yeah. i think uh, i think again i'm not a i'm not a big fan of the word happiness because happiness is is super ephemeral um and even just the act of like questioning whether you are happy doesn't necessarily like makes you unhappy is i think contentness is a good one or Um, close closeness connectedness like an Mm. interconnectedness of a city like uh, you know how a how a forest is uh, is a healthy forest if it is biodiverse Mm. I like I like to think the same thing of a city is the more biodiverse the city is the the more eclectic and the more moving parts the the more interconnected it is the better the city and unfortunately we, we do also see like extraordinarily modern cities like Dubai where they had the ability to they had a lot of money very very quickly and they're like okay we're gonna plan out this city um, and so they said okay here's the financial district here's internet city where like all the tech companies are here's the shopping district here is the this district and that's actually a very unideal way to live is that like, oh, I want like, ideally, you want to be able to walk from your house to a grocery store, right, maybe grab coffee along the way, mm. um, maybe bump and in, bump into, you know, your next door neighbor. Um, but in Dubai, it's like, there's none of that is you you're in a apartment structure, you go down to the bottom. And if you don't have a car, you hop on the the train that just runs to the specific part of town that you would want to be in and then you you go and you do that over there whereas like an organically grown city with a couple of you know stiff regulations around specifically motor vehicles i think would be a lovely place to live
1: i 100 percent agree um i think it's just you know nice to uh You know have have people around and i've also been reading a lot about like startup uh communities and that plays into that you know one of the pillars of a start a good startup city is that sense of place and also having access to being to those impromptu interactions because you never know who you're going to meet at you know uh, an event and that might spark a conversation and that might spark an idea. And then suddenly you're building a, a company or a startup or, you know, mm. um, I, I'm sure in Boulder, you'll, you'll read a lot about it because I think Boulder in uh, I'm reading a book called Startup Communities and Boulder is one of those idealistic places that made it to be kind of a startup city.
0: Boulder has been rated as the best city to live in in the United States.
1: That's amazing. You're and saying I, can, I so can long. see why.
0: <laughs> well, so, so with, with Boulder is that it's actually, um, so they have a lot of walk only streets, but they were explicitly, uh, explicitly designed as walk only is they yeah. weren't, you know, driving streets that were then cordoned off as no, it's more like paved. It's kind of like green market square in Cape town, you know, it's paved with tree cover and restaurants sprawl out onto the pavement. And it's, uh, it's quite lovely.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, like, it's it's just getting to that stage. Like, if you've already, if your city's already gone down a path, uh, like I noticed in London, there's like a like I was in the Hackney area, and uh, there there was this thing where people were starting to put up big planters. They're like, mm. okay, well, this road, we're gonna put planters, so you can't drive through there. It's it's no longer drive through way. But then, obviously, like I, I don't know if it's British culture or like you know pessimism or you know uh, not in my backyard or nimbyism is. Like, you know, there was people obviously in uproar that, you know, they're blocking that road. And I think they, a couple of weeks later, they went and removed those planters, which for me is like, you know, it's kind of, there is going to be some uh, resistance to getting to that point. People love their cars. People have spent money on their cars. They have a particular Mm -hmm. way of working, but it kind of is about like getting to that final stage. And, you know, I think the future really is, I mean, you're either going to live in a really big city are you gonna live in the middle of the woods and you're gonna be self sufficient, right? You're gonna yeah, have to yeah. get get along with the people around you, or else you're not gonna have a very a very uh, enjoyable time.
0: So to to kind of close off this mm. uh, this podcast, I would like to give a like a big shout out to a organization in Cape Town, which people should definitely go and check out and and contribute to. It's called Open Streets, and they are essentially At the forefront of trying to push legislation to create more cycle infrastructure, cordon off specific streets specifically for human. They also hold a couple of open streets festivals every year where the entirety of like Bree Street will be cordoned off for two days or or a day and there will just be like restaurants and performances and like sun kissed salsa on the street. So Definitely go and take a look at that.
1: And and rollerblading and scootering. And you can go down that road and not have to worry about getting knocked down by some guy in a a big truck. Uh, And that's something we can all look forward to, right?
0: That is something we can all look forward to.